This is Expert Insights, Physician Views and News, a podcast with the nationally recognized physicians at the Christ Hospital Health Network. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. The anterior hip replacement is a newer technique that has the same results as traditional hip replacement procedure, but has more benefits for the patient. The difference in the two techniques is how the surgeon opens the body to reach the hip joint. My guest today is Dr. Jacob Gunsenhauser. He's an orthopedic surgeon with the Christ Hospital Health Network. Dr. Gunsenhauser, welcome to the show. Explain a little bit about how hip replacement has been done in the past and what's prompted this newer type of technique. Thank you, Melly. Thanks for having me. Um, so traditionally, hip replacement has been done through a posterior approach, basically coming through the gluteal region, uh, getting into the joint. Uh, this has been an extensile approach. Uh, it can be extended proximally and distally so that you can do a lot of work that way. Um, the push for the anterior approach has been uh, pretty much over the past 20 years brought by Joel Mata out of California basically to minimize the trauma to the muscles to the hip, uh, encouraging a faster recovery as well as a decreased risk of hip dislocation and also allows us to use uh, an x-ray machine intraoperatively to uh, confirm appropriate um, um, hip uh, implant positioning before we leave the operating room. And doctor, what do you tell patients about when is the time for them to consider looking into hip replacement in the first place as far as hip degeneration. How do you speak to them about that next step? Well, typically we start with some non-operative treatment, uh, starting with anti-inflammatory medications, physical therapy, working on strengthening of the muscles around the hip, as well as keeping their motion. And uh, potentially cortisone injections into the hip uh, can be tried before even discussing surgery. Um, when the time comes for surgery, it really is the patient's decision. They will kind of, they, they usually know when it's time. It's when they're not sleeping at night. Um, they can't do the things they like to do during the day. They can't work, um, you know, that kind of stuff. They, they really kind of know when it's time. So then once you've made the decision with the patient, what about patient selection criteria? Is there, are there certain candidates for whom this is not an option? Uh, when the anterior approach was uh, first being um, established, uh, the, the ideal candidate was a, a skinny patient, not too muscular. It made the approach much easier. But as people become more familiar with the approach, essentially anyone that is a candidate for a hip replacement uh, through the standard posterior approach can also be done through an anterior approach. Um, that includes even very muscular people. Um, and, and it really uh, depends on the experience and, and the uh, uh, familiarity with the surgeon with the approach. But yeah, anyone that could do the standard posterior approach can also do an anterior approach. Uh, that it goes for primary hip arthroplasty. There's a few select situations in redo surgeries or revision surgeries where a posterior approach would be uh, required. So then speak about the procedure itself and what would be involved as far as positioning and, and all of those kinds of factors. So with the anterior approach, as opposed to the standard posterior approach, the patient can lay supine, meaning on their back on the operating room table. Um, this gives us a couple of benefits of being able to use a x-ray machine, again, to confirm the implant positioning. Uh, this can be done on a regular OR table, but here at the Christ Hospital, we use a special HANA table which allows us to extend the hip and move the femur into a position where we can put the implant in. Uh, this allows us to make smaller incisions as well as use a natural intermuscular approach so we don't have to actually cut any muscle. 
Uh, we just kind of spread through the muscle in an internervous and intermuscular uh, plane getting into the, uh, the hip joint. Are you using macoplasty for this hip replacement? I have trained on the macoplasty, um, and I think it's, um, it has its place, but uh, with the anterior hip approach, I don't think it's necessary. The reason is we have the x-ray machine, which can confirm our implant positioning. Uh, the macoplasty, um, uh, in my opinion, may be an added expense, which is not needed, as well as it, has, it requires a couple of uh, larger incisions in order to get the, um, the tracking devices uh, into the bone. And you also have to get a CT scan prior to surgery, which to me is unnecessary radiation. Are there any disadvantages to the anterior approach? Um, in my opinion, uh, not really. Not for a primary, uh, uh, a primary total hip replacement. Uh, a few things uh, that we know is with the, uh, the surgeon that's just starting to use the approach, the complication rate might be slightly higher. It is a slightly uh, steep uh, learning curve. Um, so there's been, with the newer uh, physicians doing the approach, a few uh, higher risks of uh, fractures of the bone, as well as uh, a nerve palsy. It's your lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, which is just a skin nerve to the lateral thigh. So a lot of patients will feel some numbness over the upper lateral thigh following surgery. This typically improves with time, but some patients have some permanent mild numbness, which uh, they don't even recognize usually after uh, six months to a year. You mentioned that it's a learning curve for this procedure. And what do you think that curve is? I mean, in your opinion, doctor, what would you think would make somebody more technically savvy for this type of procedure? Well, I think most of the newer uh, surgeons coming out of training have done this in residency. Um, and so they've, they're familiar with it. A lot of the uh, um, uh, older surgeons that have been trained with the posterior approach um, it takes a little bit of a learning curve to uh, to kind of switch over, and I think that's why in, in a lot of uh, areas you'll actually find the posterior approach still being done more commonly. And actually, our, our long-term studies show that the the overall outcomes in the long term are very, very similar, really not much of a difference. It's more the uh, the early recovery, which is the benefit of the anterior approach, as well as the slightly dis- decreased risk of uh, dislocation. What about for very obese people and wound healing issues? Is there a connection there? Do you see that this could sometimes be an issue? Uh, absolutely, it can be an issue. If the abdominal panis uh, is over the incision, it leads to a very moist environment, and it can lead to skin breakdown over the incision and, and potentially even infection. Um, so we have um, a team here that kind of teaches the patient, uh, especially about keeping the area dry, and on these patients where the panis actually folds over the incision, we use a, um, a, a wound vacuum. It's an incisional vacuum that goes over the incision, keeps it completely dry, and actually kind of sucks off some of the moisture um, that may come out of the wound. And we leave that on for about 10 days to two weeks. And the patient can go home with that, and the machine just shuts off uh, when it's time. And at that point, the skin has mostly sealed over. But uh, absolutely, that could, that's one of the bigger problems with the obese patients. In summary, doctor, tell other physicians what you'd like them to know about anterior hip replacement and and the procedure itself and when to refer to a specialist. Well, I think I'd like people to know the anterior approach is really something that's been proven over the past 20 years. It's a, uh, it has good studies to support it. It is as successful, if not better, than the posterior approach as far as its long-term studies. It uh, provides early uh, rapid recovery 
um, a decreased uh, dislocation risk, um, as well as a, a way for us to confirm that the implants are placed appropriately before we leave the OR. Um, at this point, uh, experienced surgeons in the anterior approach can do any, any patient that they would normally do through a standard posterior approach. So that's no longer a concern, as well as we're able to do many revisions through an anterior approach. Anytime there's a concern for a hip pain, I think uh, we in the orthopedic field are happy to see people, even if it's not a patient that is ready for surgery, at least so we can educate them on what they can be doing as far as losing weight, um, exercising in order to uh, maintain their hip as long as they can, and also ways to help treat the pain until it really becomes uh, no longer manageable and they have to uh, discuss surgery. Thank you so much, Dr. Gunzenhauser, for being with us today. You're listening to Expert Insights, Physician Views and News with the Christ Hospital Health Network. For more information on Dr. Gunzenhauser and all of the Christ Hospital physicians, you can go to tchpconnect.org. That's tchpconnect.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.